Well, today we are, we're, we're, we're close to the end of our series. This new series, uh, Pastor Joshua, we've been talking about the new normal because we wanted, to, we wanted to show that the new normal that's been pressed on us, that's over-exaggerated, we don't believe that's the new normal in Christ. We believe, we believe that the king has something else for us. Right. And Ambassadors Worship Center, we have been particularly, particularly intentional about introducing what the new normal could be. So what I want you to do right now as we get ready to share the word today, right now, share this on Facebook right now. Right now. Share this on Facebook right now. You got friends or neighbors who may not be watching. Send them a text. Tell everybody, tell everybody you know, use your influence, and say you really need to hear this message. Well, how do I know they need to hear this message? Because your pastor is telling you they yeah. need to hear this message. <laughs> so share it right now. Tell someone you really need to hear this. Even if it may hurt you a little bit, it's going to be a blessing to you. So we're in the new normal. We're in the new normal, and today... Uh, Pastor Joshua and I are going to try to teach together. Uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the new normal and what it could look like for us. This is going to be simply great and amazing for you. So go ahead and open your Bibles and let's get ready for this. Let's get ready for this. You got your Bibles open. You got your notepads. You ready for this? Okay. So. Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you that it's alive, it is powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between marrow and bone, flesh. It cuts right through the heart of a man. So Pastor Joshua and I want to share this word today, and we expect it to do what it's assigned to do. Put your words in our mouth so it'll do exactly what you designed it to do. Don't allow us to step outside of that. Don't allow us to get into personality. Just your word and the power that's going to be shared today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Pastor Joshua and I, thank y'all. There are so many that are here this morning and helping us make this service possible to you. And we're so blessed by them. Okay. The new normal. And I like to give my title up front so that you might be able to trek with me. And so what we're going to talk about today is the new normal. But the title is... Just keep building. Say that with me. Just keep building. Just keep building. Now, put that in your chats. Put that on Facebook. Put that on YouTube. You can even chat on live stream, okay? So let's chat together. Let's have a conversation between us, AWC. Let's have a conversation and let's let the world be in it. Just tell your neighbor, tell your friend, tell your family, just keep building. Just keep building. It may not look like much is happening but I'm telling you, AWC, when we come back here in the next few weeks, you're going to find out how much our church has grown during this pandemic. It's grown by families. It's grown by people. It's grown by children. There's a big interest in what God is saying. And we believe that we're one of the churches that are saying, are speaking the voice of God in these times. Right? Just keep building. Now, let me set this up for you, and then I'll give my first point. Then Pastor Josh will give his first point. Now, Haggai is prophesying to a people in which Cyrus has sent back to build a temple. But a few years into building this temple, they got very weary. When you're going through something that a different society has put on you, Cyrus may have been a king, Nebuchadnezzar may have been a king, 
Darius may have been a king, but these were all kings that were not Jewish. These were not people who knew God. They didn't know the kingdom, whatever word we call it. They didn't understand that. But they understood one thing, that these Jews have a particular anointing on their life. Right. And there's something about them and their temple. Right. Yeah. There, there's something that blesses our land because they got a church here. Set it up. So good. Right? So they're like, we're not going to serve your God, but we figured out something. That Come if on. your God is in our country, <laughs> our country runs better. Come on. <laughs> right? So they're like, King Cyrus is like, build your temple. I realize I don't have to worship your God. But if you're worshiping him, everything goes better in my country. Yeah. Darius has agreed. But that ain't the problem. The problem is the people. It's very difficult to build a temple under oppression. It's very difficult to serve God when everything around you is suppressing you. Because oppressors don't feel their oppression. You better teach. <laughs> oppressors don't feel what they're putting on you. Come on. If I put a load of bricks on you, I don't feel the weight of it. So what they decided to do, Pastor Josh, they decided to, I got to build my own economy now. The temple has an economy, but I've got to focus on my own personal economy. I've got to take care of my family. I've got to feed my kids. So they stopped building the temple. Come, come on. When you're under oppression and when you're under what you can feel like are abnormalities and stuff that's happening not just around you, but it's come to your house, you can get very discouraged. So Haggai comes back to them and says, y'all have to keep building. You may not understand why you have to keep building, and that's my part today. Let me get to it. My part today is to tell you why AWC and churches around the world that believe in the kingdom, yeah. and we don't have to educate you on why we're doing it. Right, come on. The time for educating the ignorant is over. You teach him. Come on. We've just got to build now. We don't have time to try to talk anybody into it or talk anybody out of the way they feel. We simply got to keep building. Why must, we, why must we keep building? And I'm talking to the remnant now. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those that we spoke to, Josh, we were trying to talk to the remnant last week. Congratulations on getting married. So, but we... We were trying to talk to the remnant last week <laughs> that the remnant could be more important than the congregation. There just has to be a few people that understand what we're trying to do, what we're trying to do, and why we're trying to do it. So the first reason why we're doing this is because the temple itself brings clarity. Come on. The temple, the house. Building the house of God brings clarity. This is what it means. This is what Haggai said. Haggai says, uh, no matter what y'all think about your house, you don't have a house unless we have a temple. You don't. <laughs> yeah. I remember there was another dude that said, Nehemiah, I believe. Nehemiah said, I want you to come outside your door. Stop building your house and build this wall. 
Build this wall that protects the city. They argued and said, well, what about our house? He says, you don't have a house, you don't have a house. without a wall. If you secure this wall, then you can build your house in safety. So Haggai is saying, listen, it doesn't matter. Here's the point I want to make. It's really not about you right now. It's really not about your house right now. And many others understand this. We, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we got to figure this out. It's not really about your house right now. It's about building the temple. Because the temple itself brings clarity. Right. It brings clarity to what the world is and what the church is supposed to be doing. Right. Here, let's read this one together. Let's read this one together. This is Haggai 1.3. This is clarity. This is clarity. This is what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? And this temple lie in ruins. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Write it down. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. He says, now, you've got to consider your ways because your houses are beautiful, but the temple lays waste. So I got to make sure you're clear on the power of the temple. Right. Nothing else is going to work in your, AWC, AWC, nothing else is going to work in your life if you're the remnant until you have taken care of the house. Right. And when the remnant takes care of the house, God takes care of the houses of the remnant. He steps in and clears your mind. You may be all over the place with everything being offered to you, everything everybody's saying, and who do you believe, and is that true, is that true, is it something in the middle, forget it, I'm going to go to my closet and seek God, and that can become confusing because of all the voices in your head. Haggai says, let me make it clear to you. It is the house of God that comes first, and we will not live without a house of God. Right. Is that clear? Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So the funny thing about this story, and first and foremost, before I move forward, yeah, uh, so one week of marriage, absolutely graced and honored uh, to be on the other side of singleness and following the process. So thank you. Uh, Dad got to do the wedding, which was absolutely amazing. And to Vanessa, I say good morning to you. Love you so much with all of my heart. Um, so the, the, the coolest thing about this story as we began to, like, break it down is everything that we have been reading, even from the series before, like, we've literally been walking through it in life. Like, like the Israelites being taken out of, of, of slavery, then being in the desert, like, what's going on? I mean, the world is literally, like, following the Bible with, like, it being on fire, there not being enough water, all these protests and riots, and, like, basically all of these principalities falling apart. So the funniest thing is, is that when things fall apart, man's natural want is to rebuild it. But the funny thing about Haggai is that God spoke to Haggai specifically and told him how they were supposed to build the temple. So the funny thing is that when we go to Haggai 2.14, it says this. It says, then Haggai responded that it is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. What, what we see before this text is that Haggai is having conversation with other priests, and they're asking these questions about, like, holiness and, like, if people are, are sick or if they touch a dead body and they prepare food, is the food therefore unclean as well? Right. 
So Haggai starts to realize that when they're talking to him, that they're trying to get him to slip up on what God had told him to do. Like where we are right now, a lot of people are, oh my God, they're asking you questions in like your DMs on, on Instagram and on Facebook. And they're even using the word as context to try to trip you up to see if you really know or if you really believe what the word of God says. So Haggai, instead of responding to their ignorance, he responds to what he told them before. So Haggai says, oh, so you're trying to trip me up to tell you that building this temple isn't important. But the word says this in Haggai 2.14. He says this. That's, that is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything that they do and everything that they offer is defiled yep. by their sin. Yep. Look at this, what has happened to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. Then Haggai begins to name these things down. He says, you tried to plant crops. You planted 20 bushels of corn and you got 12. Like, let's get even, like, more, more serious. You had, you had six kids, right? Like, you were pregnant six times, but you only had two kids. Wow. Like, like you, you went for that job promotion three or four times, but the, God's house is left in ruin. So it's just like, until you finish my house, anything yeah. that you touch, it's going to be sinful and unholy. So it brings us back to this point of why God is, like, infatuated with this conversation of holiness. So th this is my point, is that if before we begin to build God's temple, we have to wash our hands. Because what the word says is that whatever is on you, if it's unclean, whatever you put on yourself, it's yeah. going to be in the food and the food is sick. So that means if your mindset is not created equal with the will of God, when you come back here, everything that you build will be tainted. So you can rebuild the temple, but the temple will be as sick as the person that's touching the bricks. Come on. Like, I need y'all to like, I need y'all to come with me. So this is why it is so important that we understand something. What's going around in our city and in the nation, if you have any other thought process outside of what is justice and right, you can't call yourself a Christian. Because when you gave your heart to Christ, what happens is that you, he, he, he took your sin, like he bore your sin, but what he gave you was his prerogative. What he gave you was his opinion and purpose. So when you see stuff on the news, if any person's shot and killed in the street, you don't have an opinion because now your opinion is of, the is of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus Christ. So when you come back to Ambassador's Worship Center, you can't build with the mindset that you had out there. Right. Let this mind that is in Christ also be in me. So now it's not a conversation of black and white, Haggai says. It's not a conversation of if you're sick. It's not a conversation of food. The conversation is how bad do you want to build this temple? Is it bad enough that you're willing to put your ego your opinion, your thoughts on the back burner and build this temple. Is building this temple more important than protesting? Is building this temple more important than putting money in a bucket that you don't know where it's going to go? What Haggai says is that black lives matter, green lives matter, all these other lives matter after we build the temple because their lives don't matter until these walls are built. But you can't build a wall with dirty hands. This is why men, we build things and it, we think it's amazing. We can build these corporations and you're watching them every single day. And I won't name any of them because you either eat at them or you shop at them. But what we've realized that they've built these amazing monuments, these amazing monuments to tennis shoes, to themselves, to these nonprofit organizations, but their hands were dirty. And what God says to Haggai is this. If they begin to build this temple, it will be physically complete, but it won't be spiritually complete because it's going to feel and taste like what was on your hands. So the question is this, AWC, when you come back to Omaha, well, I'm sorry, when you come back to AWC, we're going to begin washing our hands. No, you need to start washing your hands at the crib right now. God, 
whatever the mind that is in you, whatever the mind is in you, whatever this thing, this ism is on the inside of me, I know it's not innately there because I received you as Jesus Christ. As soon as you died, it washed me over. Okay, I'm so sorry. But the most important thing, you cannot build a building if you haven't washed your hands. Right. You don't want somebody digging in your mouth at the dental office with uh, the, 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 the dental center with, with tools that, that they've used on someone else. You don't want somebody chopping your food up that hasn't washed their hands. How do we create an organization of love, hope, dominion, and power if the people that are serving it don't believe that love, hope, dominion, and power is for every person? How? You can't build a building without washing your hands. It's the reason why you wash your mask, I mean, wear your mask, why you use hand sanitizer, because you don't want to cross-contaminate other people. What God tells Haggai is that I want you to cross-contaminate these people that are hungry for me with your ignorance of religion. You can't build with an evil and negative in, negativity in your heart. Like, it's impossible. You can't help build if you disagree with the blueprint of love, hope, dominion, and power for everyone. If you have a but and in your spirit, this is not your home. Love is for the crackhead. Love is for the prostitute. Love is for the person in our church that's trying to figure it out. Love is for the person that's battling with their sexual orientation. If you do not believe that it's for everybody, that's okay. But this ain't the place. Because we're washing our hands. Pastor Martin has been doing this in the city for the past 25 years, 30 years. A black boy from Mississippi came to Omaha and wanted to see a vision that's in his head. But you can't even touch his vision unless your hands are clean. It's very simple. It takes soap and water, but it takes your willingness to do so. Come on, somebody say, wash your hands. Come on, say it. Wash your hands. Woo! My next point is this. Why must we do what Pastor Josh is talking about? Why? Yeah, good point. Why? Because what people don't understand is that the temple, the temple itself brings prosperity. Right. There can be no prosperity in a city, in a country, without a temple. I got a few. I, I, I want to give you the word on this. As Pastor Josh was sort of opening up. Let's, let's put up the scripture so we can... So we can go through this. This is what this is what Haggai says. Haggai, Haggai says in Haggai 1 5, he says, Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Here he's gonna say it again. Consider your ways. Your ways is what you do because of how you think. Okay. Your, your ways is what you do because of how you think, not what you think. How you think. How you think, what you think is different from how you think, sorry. So now, if you think a certain thing, it may not show up. But how you think is going to eventually show up in everything you do. So he says, consider your ways. Next verse, come on. Listen to what he's, listen, consider your ways. You've sown much, you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You're clothed, you clothe yourself, but... You're not even one. And he who earns wages, earns wages, then he puts it in a bank account. <laughs> it has holes. It gets worse. Let's keep reading. <laughs> Let's keep reading. He says, now, thus saith the Lord, do what? Consider what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. Go to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple. I said to Pastor Josh, I said, I got a vision of that scripture. 
Go to the mountains and bring wood. God wants us to go to people who think higher. God, and I'm looking for you. I'm your pastor. Get over here. He says, go to the mountain, Pastor Josh, and find people who already think this way. You don't have to convince them. It's in their heart. And he said, and bring that wood and build the temple. We have to be particular on how and what material we use to build with. AWC, we're no longer a teaching church. We're not here to convince anybody. We're not going to try to make people understand, well, listen, this is what it is. This is what happened. And this is what we think God told us to do. We ain't got no time for you no more. (laughs) I want to go to the mountain and bring some wood down. Some real people, some cypress wood, not soft woods, but hard woods who understand the call on their life. And they're called to reconcile, and they're called to build, and they're called to see kingdom come. Let me move on. Go up and get wood. Why? For the temple that I may, what? Take pleasure in it. And be glorified. I want to be glorified, he says. It's not about your glory. It's about my glory. Next verse. He said, now watch now. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, (laughs) I blew it away. Sorry, it ain't the devil, y'all. Why? The devil's in my finances. No, God God is in your finances. It don't matter what kind of business plan you got. It don't matter what you're trying to do with your family. You can earn a million dollars. You bring it home, put it on the table, God, he blows it away. I blew it away. Why did I do it, says the Lord of hosts? Why? Why did I blow it away? Because you got a call on your life. You're not like your neighbor. I'm not blowing on their money. I'm blowing on your money. Their system will come down later. But it's the system of the kingdom that I'm dealing with now in you and in your heart. I'm blowing on your money because of my house that's in ruins. While every one of you runs to his own house. Next verse. Therefore, the heavens above you Without dew, it's holding the dew. And the earth is withholding its fruit from your life. Come on. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains and on the grain, on the new wine and the oil. (laughs) And whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. This is what God is saying. It's the opposite of what's being said here. Mm -hmm. Because you have not built the temple, everything is shut down. Your entire economy is shut down. Everything that makes money, everything that brings life, all the promotions, all the open doors, all the investments, all the power of getting, it's a drought in your life. And he says, but if you build the temple, if you build the temple, I will reopen your economy. If you pay attention, this is why we must build. We must, with intent, create wealthy people. Right. Not by accident and not by hook them aside laying hands on people. We've got to build a system of the commonwealth. And the commonwealth starts at the temple. 
It's the church that gives you the tools to become wealthy. If you're against wealth, you're not going to like me in the no. next few months. Come on. If you're against the temple creating wealthy people, you're not going to like me in the next few months. Because it is the plan of God that no man who serves him ever has to beg. I once was young, but I'm getting older now. <laughs> but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I've never seen his seed yeah, having to beg for bread. I got a prophecy for you. There's coming a time when the house of God will have the money, and it will not flow from the outside in. It's going to flow from the inside out to the world and we will control every system every world every nation every industry every business every school every government place every judge's seat every mayor's seat we're going to control every da seat we're going to be in a place of exuding power from the house of god we're going to be in every industry we're going to be in education we're going to be in law we're going to be in sports we're going to be in media we're going to be in government we're going to be in church finally oh break that shout down. hallelujah so good the church is coming back to god Come the on. power is coming Come back on. to god Come on. but we must build a temple we must build a temple it all starts at the temple if you want to be rich, God ain't mad. If you want to be wealthy, God ain't mad. But you can't skip his system. Can't skip it. It's the house of God. These people in this place, I'm almost done, Pastor Josh, get ready. These people in this place, they got other stuff to do. They could be somewhere else. But the remnant is being called Come back. Because we ain't got to talk them into it. We ain't got to lay hands on them. We ain't got to give them a guilt trip. Pastor, come on. They know what God's getting ready to do in their life. They can feel it. They can sense it. They can taste it. And they're texting me. They're writing me. They're on email. They're saying, Pastor, when can we come back to the house of God? When can we come? Come on, remnant. Shine your shoes. Get your shoes shined. Take your suits back. You ain't wore a suit in three months. Put away those gym shoes. Get yourself ready. Get a spit shine. Get ready to come back to the house of God. We're going to build an economy. There will not be a poor one among us. There will not be a sick one among us. There will not be a broke one among us. There will not be one that's destitute in this house. Shout amen. Amen. So the question becomes now, now we understand what the master builder's want is. Organizations are falling now because they have employees that think outside of what the master builder wants. Because if you forget what position you were hired for and step outside of your role, all we can do is fire you. But when you are an employer, you realize that you never have to fire anybody if you set up the correct policies and procedures. People will fire themselves. That's why my next point is that you have to do this one thing and write it down. It's that you have to trust the architect. The building of the temple would have been halted and would have never happened if Haggai would have spoken to the people and the people would have thought that it came from Haggai. Had they thought that Haggai was the one coming up with the plans, they would have been able to disrespect them because they thought that they were on the same level. I'm like, I'm coming, I'm coming. But once Haggai said these four words, thus says the Lord, now what he has done is he says, this matter that I'm speaking to you about is above me now. <laughs> so if you don't agree with me, 
I'm just the middleman between your work and God's word. So if you don't do what I say, I don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. But when you go to heaven, you're going to have to answer for where were you when it was time to build. So it's easy not to say something on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter with anything, be it, be it beaten and battered women, be it protests, be it black and white issues, be it racism, be it hunger, be it religion being mechanized to beat people over the head with. The question isn't what you told people privately. What's going to happen is, is at those pearly gates that we're all so excited yeah. to get to. God's not going to ask you about how much money you made. He's not going to ask you about like how many cars you bought, how many houses you built. God's going to ask you so when it became time to actually put your mouth in your hand to the issues that you said you wanted to be a part of when I died on the cross. You fell on your knees and you said, I accept you. You didn't just accept me. You accepted the brand of being a kingdom citizen. Like you didn't just work at Adidas. No, you have to wear our gear everywhere that you go. Because now when they see you, they don't see you. They see me because I hired you. So the question is, do you trust the architect? What does that look like, AWC? You will no longer be able to serve, tithe, and attend and think that that's all you need to do to call yourself a part of the AWC nation. Because you can serve, tithe, and attend any other place. Now it's going to have to be, can you legitimately, physically display that you trust the man of God that you call your pastor? What we have to understand is that before this time, the veil had not been torn yet. So the people of Israel, they needed a man in between them and God. But then once Jesus passed away, he says, what? I'm going to leave you a Helper, which is the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. It literally means to stand in between something that has the power to destroy you and the people. It stands between. And like when you go to like other countries and you want to use like your liner or your toothbrush and you plug it into the wall, they have this thing called a converter. The converter basically takes something that is raw power and raw energy, takes it through a conduit so that you can use your appliance. The thing is this. You're going to have to convert the way in which you think when you come back because our power source has changed. We used to operate on a couple, uh, on a couple AA batteries, a couple triple, like, like, you know, AAA batteries. But now I think Pastor Martin is in this point where he's finding, like, he's catching, like, his second wind. And he has literally tapped into the voice and the power source of God. But the only way that energy is able to flow through you as a conduit is if you trust where the source is coming from. Let me give you scripture. Let me give you scripture. The one way that we're going to begin to learn if you trust what we're building here isn't by your service. It's not by your tithing. And it's not by your attending. Those are like minimalistic, right? Like, like somebody say minimal. Like that's like the baseline. Like, like the, the, the least that you can do is show up. The least you can do is give God 10% of what he blessed you with. The least of what you can do is put your hands on something that you're asking to serve you. If you got kids and you don't want to serve in children's ministry, shame on you. If you get upset with the worship team's songs, but you have no recommendations of other songs we should sing, then shame on you. That, that's the least. But the one way that you're going to begin to trust the builder is this. Look to your neighbor and say, it's in the how. It's in the how. It's not the what. It's the how. Yep. Listen, Philippians 2, 24, 15. Because you can build God's house, and if your spirit is out of line, it's like you haven't built anything at all. Listen, Philippians 2. It's kind of like when you tell your children to go clean their room. They might clean their room, Pastor. I might have my, cleaned my room and it might have been spotless. But did, was I huffing and puffing when I did it? Was I slamming doors as I did it? Was I trying to make sure that you know this is the last thing that I want to do while I'm doing it? Yes, the room is clean, but it still smells like my attitude. It smells like my disrespect. It smells like this thing, like I'm going to do it because I have to because I have to live in your house. But once I turn 18, I'm out of here. I think the Holy Spirit is saying, if that's what your spirit is, go ahead and leave and I'll give this room to somebody that really needs it and wants it. 
So in Philippians 2, 14 through 15, it says this. It says, do all things underline this without grumbling and what? Questioning. Not being speculative. Bring your, like, we, we need you to be skeptic. We need you to look at our stuff and ask, like, I don't know if that's going to work. But to question, it means that you question the source that's coming from the man of God that you call your pastor. That's why they say, I've, I've fired people for less. Listen, do all things without grumbling and or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of the crooked. So you can't build a temple. There's no point in building a temple if you don't have a crowd of people that are throwing stones at you. Because the stones that they end up throwing at us, Pastor, are the ones that we're going to use to build and bless them anyway. That's how you do it. So I need a crowd of people to stone me. I, I need you to stone me. Because what's going to happen is I'm going to bless you with the stones that you thought were going to take my life away are going to give you life. So listen to this. It says, in the midst of the crooked and the twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Haggai 1, God gives Haggai direct instructions to give to the people. He tells them how to build. Pastor just talked about it. He tells them how to build. He tells them where to build, and he tells them who they are building for and with. Pastor Martin talks about these mountains, but the only way that you were able in this Hebrew Jewish faith, the only way you were able to cut down trees on a man's land is if you had covenant with him. So God didn't just send them into the mountains to cut trees on land that wasn't owned. He sent them into the mountains to cut trees on lands of people that had the ability to spare what they had. In this generation, it's not you, you're forward no more. God is giving us the ability to get wealthy. And you have to be wealthy so that when somebody comes and knocks at your door, you're not going to be able to get my wood unless we have covenant. You can't police my city unless we have covenant. You can't put your hands on my children in that medical office unless we have covenant. What does that look like if the church is built of only the remnant? It's called skin in the game, people. He tells them how to build, where to build, and who they are building for. But he also gives them what materials to use. Stop trying to use these makeshift stuff that you've made out of paper mache. God says, if you're going to build my temple, use what I gave you. What we have here at Ambassadors Worship Center is these things called culture codes, the vision and the mission. That's the materials. There's no more. Not your opinion. Not your thought. Not what your old church used to do that you left because you weren't honoring them and you found us on Facebook in this pandemic and you think that we're better than them, but you want to come over here and serve us. No, no, no. Like what it has been for 25 years, that's what it's going to be. And we're going to stand for injustice. We're going to stand, in, we're going to stand against injustice for justice. We're going to stand against the hungry and give them food. We're, not, we're going to stand against ignorance and give them knowledge. But the only way that you're able to touch these materials from the man of God is if you trust what he's building. Look at your neighbor. Say, trust the blueprint. Trust the blueprint. You, you can't be done. Are you done? Trust is proven okay, go ahead. in the speed of how quickly you do the work and how quickly you can get on board, not how well you do your job. Wow. I trust him when he tells me to do something and I run to do it before asking him how. Trust is in the speed of how quickly you go to where you're going. When you get back here, Ambassadors Worship Center, I know a lot of you are looking for targets and look for your best interest. You're looking for all your grocery stores and your banks looking your best interest to keep you safe. I get it. But we are the children of God. We are safe. Now that we know that you're safe, your job and your number one prerogative is to make it safe for the other. 
If you have not understood and if you cannot display what the kingdom is in 25 years, we've missed our mark. But I had a conversation with somebody a couple of days ago. Me and Rebecca were talking about it. She said, I just don't understand how people can do this and that and then blame God. I don't understand how this and that can happen in our church. And the question is not that they didn't trust the word, but they might not have trusted the architect that was given them the blueprint to build their life. The only way that you will work here, the only way that God is able to reside here is if you trust the builders. Pastors Martin and Linnell built a vision with us in mind, but without our opinion. Because if you have too many cooks in the kitchen, you can't just cook one meal. It ends up tasting like you and you and what your grandmama did and what my grandmama did. And then when I serve it, people say, look at this meal that you made, and I have to take ownership for something I didn't build. I'd be John Brown if we build a church that we didn't build on the backs of love, hope, dominion, and power. So look at your neighbor, write it in the chat. Do you trust the architect? Because if you're wrestling with trusting the pastor, you're most definitely going to not be able to trust what's going to happen Saturday with healing on the hill. You're my pastor. You're supposed to make an environment safe for me. But I think Pastor Martin's over that. You should be safe. You've had me for 25 years to yourself exclusively. My job is in the world. The one way that you're able to be a CEO is if you have enough employees working in your establishment that you can go and fly here and there and everywhere and know that everything's taken back at home. Do you trust the man of God? Let's bring it home. Do you trust your husband? Do you trust your wife if she's the one that makes those decisions? Do you trust your healthcare physician that tells you to stop smoking, but you say, it's something I can't get over? Well, your doctor's telling you. Last point. When you refuse... To listen to the instruction of somebody with wisdom, you have told them that you don't trust them. So if you've heard the kingdom message and you're broke, it's not that the word doesn't work. (laughs) It's, it's, It's not that parenting doesn't work. Are you willing to do the work? Wash your hands. Then you got to trust the architect because the kingdom works, but it has to live in you. Has to live in you. You talking about, you talking about in the middle of a crooked and twisted generation. Generation. In the middle. In the middle of a. In the midst. (laughs) Twisted generation. God calls some to build. I got one more point. But I want to say this to Pastor Joshua and my staff and the Levites who are here and the Levites out there who are fighting to get back here right we have wood we have people from the mountain yeah we have people Pastor Josh who are called to AWC yeah who are gifted and talented And they don't have to be convinced. They don't have to be educated. Just like God sent us here. Yeah. He sent some other people here. Come on. Who like us, we can't leave. They haven't been allowed to leave either. Yeah. And now he's calling people from around the world here. Because they're noticing in their spirit, we just got to get to Omaha. We don't know what it is. We don't understand it. We can't move to Omaha, but we're called to that church. Yeah. 
It's because there's an assignment on us because all of us have to trust the architect. Got to trust the architect. That is God gathering us from the nations, gathering us from the peoples, gathering us from other cities and other nations to come to this place because of the assignment that's on it. So here's my last point. Why must we build? Come on. Why do we have to keep going? Why is there more for us, AWC? Simply this. God knew this shaking was coming. Come on, man. He said, once more again, and I will shake all the nations. I'm going to shake the earth. I'm going to shake the sea. I'm going to shake the dry land. And finally, when I shake it down and reduce it to rubble, when I reduce every system on the planet to rubble, then they are going to turn to Jesus. Come on. When I shake, okay, you, you might need Bible. So here's, here's what it says. Haggai 2.6. He says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it'll be a little while, and I will shake the heaven, I'll shake the earth, I'll shake the sea, I'll shake the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come. To the desire, capital D, divinity, mm -hmm. Jesus. Right. Of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Right. We need to keep building because everything everybody thought was solid. Come on. Is turning to sand. Every system we know of, one by one, is coming to sand. Now, I'm not political, but let me tell you from the kingdom point of view. When you look down on earth, people's, people who've never been to a demonstration call it a riot. I'm going to help you out. God told me a few weeks ago, he says, you're ignorant. Go find out what's really happening. So I've gone to three now. And let me tell you what happens. At one event are three to five different agendas. There are people there just protesting. They're happy. They're law-abiding. They love their country. But their country is no longer working for them. They don't go to church. Because the church has failed. If the church had done its job, we would not be here. But the gatekeepers of the church have allowed it to continue. Yeah, I'm talking to our spiritual fathers. Have allowed it to continue. So right there, there are people demonstrating. They're like, this is not working for me. And they're all nations. They're all skin colors. They're all ages. They're all everything if you go. And they're crying. Some are weeping. Some are praying. Some are in psychotic fits. They don't understand why this continues. And at the same protest are those who hate the cause. But they show up with pallets of bricks because they know that because you're not right in your mind, all, all they know because you're not right in your mind and you're angry, if I just throw one brick, that'll set them off. The protesters don't riot. And the rioters are not protesting. Because there's no temple, 
with one voice, one heart. The earth is shaking right now, and they have nowhere to go. I wish I could tell you, but you Christians can't handle it. I go to the demonstrations, and I just talk to people. And I say, why are we here? What's going on? And they're saying stuff like this to me. We're here because we got to be here. We got to stick together. Finally, finally, we're coming together. We don't want this to end. One guy said to me, this is like church to us. He didn't say it like that. He says, this is like blanking church to us. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, we're all together. We feel good when we're here. There's no hatred here. We just love one another. And we're finding out all of us, all of us are broke. All of us are poor. All of us are uneducated. He said, we don't listen to the news anymore. One girl said to me, Pastor Josh, she said, I used to go to church, but my aunt died. And I'm like, hold up. I said, your aunt died? She said, my aunt died. She said, my aunt used to describe what was happening at church to me. Now that she's gone, she said, I can't tell you what she said, but she said, I don't believe in any of that blank no more because I don't understand what they're doing. She said, I don't understand why Sunday morning there are black and white and Latino churches that don't come together. She said, if y'all got a real God, why can't your God bring y'all together? This is the world, folks. And they're asking the church, where y'all at? What y'all doing? We don't believe in y'all no more either. We're going to have church right here in the streets. Our internet is our church. Our applications is our church. So now, while the, okay, let me let Pastor Josh finish this. Let me tell you what happened to Cyrus. Put my scripture up. Y'all still with me? Yeah, take your time. I'm going to tell you about Cyrus because people don't understand Cyrus. And they keep trying to make men Cyrus. Cyrus was a king. I mean a real king. (laughs) Okay. I'll read it to you. Thus says Cyrus. Cyrus wants the temple rebuilt. I'm going to show you why. Cyrus wants the temple rebuilt. So thus says Cyrus, king of Persia. Listen to what he says. Read it out loud. Y'all at home, y'all are here. All the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven, he not saved, folks. It's because they wouldn't build the temple. God had to give the stuff to him. The church wouldn't build, so God had to give it to an unrighteous man. So all the kingdoms we talking about, he gave them to Cyrus. Because systems don't go to hell or heaven. They're built for earth. And they can't sit idle. Media can't sit idle. Government can't sit idle. Medical can't sit idle. IT can't sit idle. It's going to be in somebody's hands. But Joshua and your generation, you have to understand this. Cyrus, in the next words, tell you why he wants you to build. 
He says, I'm ungodly. Why would he give me the kingdoms of the world? I don't know nothing about y'all's religion. I don't know nothing about your God. Watch what he says. Now, he gave me the kingdoms of the world, and he has, he's commanded me, the ungodly king, to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Okay, let me read just one more to you. Y'all okay? Now, so in this next statement, he getting ready to help you. That's why my young people sitting in here, you're not going to waste your life building the temple, I promise you. So he says, I own the systems. I'm the king. He gave them to me. Now what does he ask? Read it out loud. Who is among you of all the people? May his, may his God, he say, he ain't my God. I don't know nothing about him. I, don't never, I ain't never served him. I don't know nothing about no temple. I don't know why I got all this money. I don't know why I own every kingdom. I don't know why I own all this land. I don't know what to do with it. So he says, you, the remnant, may his God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house for the Lord. He is God, even though I don't know him. He's proven to me that he's God. But I don't know what to do with these systems. I don't know what to do with this money. I don't know what to do with the land. I don't, need to, I don't know what to do with the people. I don't know how to treat people righteously. I'm just sitting in this chair. I don't know nothing about it. I'm not mad at who's in power in government. I got over that. It ain't their fault. His fault, their fault, her fault. It ain't none of their fault. Get over it. It's our fault. It's our fault because we have not built a system in which to take care of people. We're not going to learn how to take care of one another unless there's a temple. We're not, we're not going to learn how when people's lives fall apart, we're not going to know. Do y'all understand? Do y'all understand with the millions of jobs that were created in the last few months, there's a certain section of our society that are permanently the low class? In three months, that in certain sections of our economy, there are people who are 45% unemployed. And at 30%, you're no longer under, you're no longer Un unemployed you're unemployable mm. the gap gets so big that you don't have years of experience that you haven't gone up in your resume and then finally you're out of the economic system now you've got to live by government Cyrus doesn't know how to take care of people that's the church's job mm. Mm. and that's why we got to build more than churches we got to build government systems. Come on. We got to build stuff that people who don't have anywhere to go can come into it. Nobody wants your welfare check. Pastor, come on. Nobody wants your meta, what it meta, carcade made Kool-Aid. Nobody wants that. Everybody wants the right and the power to earn. Yes, 
They want the pride to stand. Everybody. And if they don't want it, we have to teach them to want it. That's what the church is for. So we must build because there's a shaking coming. Say it. There's a shaking coming. There's a shaking coming and it's here right now. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So let me prophesy this to you, Josh. Whether it's in my lifetime or yours, everything we see now that is unrighteous, God is bringing it down. In Jesus' name. Everything we see now that's not a righteous system, that's not full of judgment from heaven, God is bringing it down now. Every system that is using people and taking people and subjugating them, every horrific system, God is taking it down now. He's taking it down in me. He's taking it down in you. He's taking it down in all of us. He's going to raise up a system of righteousness in the world. And once God is doing it, we won't need a Cyrus. Hallelujah. We won't need a president. We won't need prime ministers. We won't need a senate or judicial system because all of us will be empowered to lead ourselves. Hallelujah. We'll Come be on. empowered to stand on our own on. and we'll know how to love our neighbor. Hallelujah. We'll know how to walk in peace with everyone. That's what the temple must, we got to catch people now. Right. We got to catch people whose lives are falling apart. Why don't you do something? Because there's been nothing left for me to do. Everything that I could have done has been taken away. And the church has got to lift the minds of men to a higher dimension. That inside of them, there is a place of love for yourself. Okay, come on. Come on. There is a love that comes from the outside. There is a love that you might need from some people. But eventually, we got to get you to the place where you don't necessarily need love from everybody else. You love yourself, whatever skin you're in, whatever education you got, however your body frame however looks like. You, look. you got to love yourself. Why? Because you can't love me till you love you. Till you love you. Come on. We've got to fall in love with our own love, with our own dominion, with our own hope, with our own power, with our own calling. With our own purpose. And once we get America and the world in a place where everybody can live in their purpose, they won't need yours. Pastor, come on. Once everybody has their own, they won't need yours. Once everybody learns that there is enough for us all, and I don't have to hate you, you don't have to hate me, and you don't have to build a system to keep anybody in their place. Once we're there, people feel safe. But if you create people who have nothing, you're intentionally creating an unsafe society. Cyrus wants us to build a temple. Mm. Cyrus needs us to build the powers that be Mm. all over the world. They need us to build a temple. Why? Because they don't know what to do with the worlds they have. It's crumbling in their hands. And that's why we're called. Come on. That's why you're called. And I'm calling you out again, Remnant. I'm calling you come out. Come on, come on, yeah. I'm, I'm calling you out. I am calling you out around the world. It's time for us to build. And for us at AWC, we have to keep building. Just keep building. We have been building, but now we must continue to build. Am I making sense at all? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're finishing. So this is my final point. This is my final point, and, and I'm, I'm going to teach you just a little bit. It's, it's, it's going to be it's the final one. But now that we understand 
that we need to wash our hands, we need to trust the architect, we understand the purpose of the temple, that the temple, uh, just going over the notes again, that it brings clarity, meaning that it is the lens by which you see the world. When you're inside of the temple, you see everything outside of it clearly, right? The second is that uh, the temple brings prosperity, that you, once you build it, then you're able to reap. That's what Pastor was talking about earlier. And then his final point was that the temple brings stability and that a shaking is not coming, but it's already here. Yeah. The cool thing about Cyrus is that the children of Israel, unfortunately, did not see their import, they did not see the importance of building the temple until Cyrus told them what God told him. What's happening in Omaha, you might not have heard another pastor say it, but what's happening in Omaha is wrong. Racism is wrong. Police thinking and believing that they are the judge, the jury, and the attorney, and the bailiff at the same time on the street is incorrect. Um, what we are learning is that the way in which our city treats its elderly is incorrect. The way in which our bus system doesn't bus certain people to certain parts of the, certain parts of the city is incorrect. Your job is on the other side of town, but your bus will get you there two hours late. So then you lose your job and you're always late. But then you don't have enough money to take care of your children because daddy's at work and you have your 14-year-old taking care of the rest of them. Like, I want to make sure that you understand that when Jesus was looking at his people, he spoke specifically to the issue and didn't care about who it, did, who it missed. The way that Ambassadors Worship Center is going to move forward is when we start to make room for the other. And let me explain to you how. In Matthew in Matthew 18, 12, we've all heard it. We sing the song Reckless Love, but I don't think we know as Christians what we're really singing. The song says that he leaves the 99. The proverb in, Mar in, in Matthew 18 says this in the New Living Translation. It says, if a man has what? A hundred sheep. And only one of them wanders away. What will he do? I'm telling you. In the, he, in, in, in the Greek, the question doesn't become... What should he do? But it's this word called hiska. Mm -hmm. It's this question of what must you do? Gotta do it. Because what we understand in Matthew is that God says is that the rest of my sheep are going to do as good as the one that is lost. Mm -hmm. So if one of them gets eaten by a bear, I've just now told the 99 that that can happen and will happen to you. And once it happens to you, I'm not coming for you. So the question becomes, Ambassador's Worship Center, not if we stand up for what is right, but what is, how far do we take it? Yeah. So then in Matthew 18, it says this. Will he leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? The next part we don't read because we want to leave this question up for you have the choice to not chase after the lost sheep. Mm. But the next verse says that it is the prerogative of the shepherd to take care of the sheep that he purchased. Once you have purchased them, they are yours. And what you do with the one tells me how you're going to deal with the rest of them. So the way in which Omaha treats its black people tells you how it's going to treat the rest of you. It's just not your turn yet. How you teach the disenfranchised, the blue-collared workers that work their fingers to the bone in all of these chicken plants that they told you they didn't want to go to, but now they're the ones that are making sure that this virus is increasing because we need chicken. You're telling them what you think of our state. Got to be bold. Because when Jesus starts talking in Matthew 5, he's very specific. Matthew 5, he says, one day as he was on the mountain, mountainside, he begins to give them the Beatitudes, and this is what he says. 
God says, blessed, blessed are those who are poor. Well, what about us that have money? We, our lives matter too. Blessed are those who mourn. Well, I lost my grandmother five years ago. What about me? My, like my mourning matters too. Blessed are those that are humble. Well, I'm humble. Blessed are those that are hungry right now. Well, I was hungry a couple of minutes ago, but I had enough money to go to McDonald's and get my whole family enough food. Right. What God says is, I don't care about what you used to be. The person that's hungry now is important. But because I left the 99 for the one does not mean that the 99 are not important. You cannot say all lives matter and have a subset that you don't want to chase after. We have to chase after black people. We have to chase after white people. We have to chase after the person that cannot eat right now. We have to chase after the wife that is stuck in her home right now being beaten by her husband because she has no other resources. It's not a black issue. It's not a brown issue. It's an issue of if you see it worth your while to chase after the one. All lives don't matter if only one of them doesn't. You've told me one is a part of the sum. One is a part of the sum. If one person in this building does not know Christ, we've missed the mark. So you have to make room. You've gotten what you needed. You've been here 25 years. You've served. You've attended. You've tithed. God has blessed you and your family. Can God bless somebody else that hasn't had it before? What they did to George Floyd was wrong. Even if he was a murderer, it was wrong. What they're doing to our people in Ogallala and Shatteron in the panhandle of Omaha that are lighter skinned than us. White people, it's wrong. Stealing their farms, telling their children they can't go to work, but they have to go work in a field. It's slavery. I want to make sure that you understand something. Racism and slavery is not a black issue. It's a people's issue. It's this thought when you think you have enough power to put somebody else in their place. But I stand here today as your associate pastor and I say we will leave the 99 every time to go and get the one because the 99 can take care of one another. I'm mourning. Blessed are those that mourn. Well, I used to mourn. Doesn't my mourning matter? Not today. It doesn't today. Because you, you received the fullness of Jesus Christ. Well, I used to be a sinner. Don't become so disenfranchised from what God protected you from that you can't have empathy for a person that's just as lost as you were. Because they're coming. Build it and they will come. They're going to smell like alcohol. He's going to come with his husband. He is going to come with his husband. Children are going to come with no legs and they're going to say, in the word it says that if you touch me, my legs will grow. It says I'll be able to see. So the question is this, is Ambassadors Worship Center bold enough to leave the 99 to chase the one? Because the question is this, what if the shepherd were able to stay in place and the 99 went out and took care of it? It's not that the 99 are more powerful than the shepherd, but I think there's something different when you see one person coming for you and 99 of them that look just like the one you're trying to attack. What that, Come on, man. What that tells you is that if you mess with Jason, you, you, got, you got all of us that are coming for you. You touch one child at Ambassador's Worship Center, you might as well have burned the city down. That's how we're going to see it. You shoot one young man as he's trying to get back to his car, regardless of what he did, regardless of if he pushed your father, regardless of what have happened, and then you put us on curfew and tell us to go home, but you're trying to save somebody. What you have told us is that the one is more important than the 99, Omaha. 
That's what you've told us. And it's going to be weird, Josh. It's going to be strange that when they mess with him and I show up, they're going to try to figure out what's going on. That's my brother. And when they mess with you, he shows up. Who are these people? Where do they come from? They're not asking, what's your name? What's your... No, this is my brother. This is my sister. And we saw the color. We saw the color. We saw your color so that we can understand you. Come on. You saw my color so that you could understand me. So you can understand me. Not rule me. No. We see your color. We see your sickness. We look through AIDS and see your divine healing. We look through your broken family and see the father in that space and the mother and the children doing their job. Like we look through, because slavery is not just a thing that's by dark-skinned people. What we find out is that if you put enough people in the room, even if they look together, they will find a pecking order. And Pastor Martin, what that ends up looking like is once the shepherd goes to chase after the one, the 99 begin a pecking order saying, well, I'm more sheep than you are. Then the shepherd comes back and says, I used to have 99. Where are the other 10? Well, we thought of it amongst ourselves to put some of the sheep in over here because some of them had spots and some of them over here, well, they only had three legs and some of them over here, their wool was only 3% soft rather than 6% soft. I want to make sure that you understand something, Omaha, our chief of police, our mayor and our governor. We love you. We are praying for you and we support you. But the right way to run this city, if you really want to see it, come to Ambassador's Worship Center. Because once we open up these doors, we're going to show you how a city works together. We're going to show you how a doctor that works at the children's hospital here in Omaha that makes six figures can take care of a child that's on welfare that at the hospital she can't give her the help because they ain't got the money, but she can hold that baby and go where the commonwealth is in the Holy Spirit, not in how much money you make. And it's not in living west of 72nd or north of Dodge. It becomes this thing where when you see the remnant, when you see me, you see all of us. When you see AWC on this shirt, when you see AWC on my Instagram, on my Facebook, you don't just see me, you see we. The church has to begin to look at the one just like they look at the 99. Every one person's worth it. You have six kids. Is one child okay being hooked on drugs? Is that okay? Would you look at God once you get to the pearly gates? He says you had six and you let one get away. What is your response going to be? Anything that you tell him rather than I chased after them tells you you shouldn't have blessed me with this child. So this is a message, Omaha. This is a message to those of you that are disenfranchised. To those of you that have lost someone to police brutality. To those of you that are policemen that want to keep your job, but you know, you know what's going on in your department isn't right. To our governor and our mayor, you don't know what to do. That's the reason why you can say the wrong thing and you can show up to the wrong meeting. We don't blame you. It's not your fault. You don't know. But Cyrus did something very interesting. Cyrus gave the materials back to the people of God. Yep. He gave the materials back to them. He says, God gave me rulership of Israel and Palestine and Pakistan and Israel. Like, like these places that they were still fighting over. He gave me the gold, but he didn't give me ownership of it. What we're going to find out, pastor, as we read this, is that Cyrus was made a steward, not an owner. That's it. 
which means that he couldn't even use the gold that God gave him for his own benefit. He had to be king long enough to give it back to the people that it was owned by. But then after he gave the materials, he took Haggai. It says in the word, if you have a concordance or a strong, Cyrus took Haggai. He brought him in front of the people. And he said, if you can't trust me because I don't trust your God, will you trust the God in this being your leader? Omaha, we've been waiting for you. This man has built something. We have built something. And now the materials are in our hands. We cannot move backwards. We cannot have everything that happened the past two weeks and go to sleep like nothing happened. If you stand for justice, I want you to stand for it all the time. If you stand for love, hope, peace, and dominion, stand for it all the time. And not to allow the walls of isms to stand in between you. Usually at the end of our services, we do this thing called very important people. But what we now know is that the one is just as important as the 99. So we're all very important. But this is what we want. You can write VIP right there in the Facebook, uh, uh, I'm sorry, in the comments of whatever you're watching us by. That's great. And we love you and we want you to become a part of what we're doing here. That's amazing. But this Saturday, this Saturday, write it down. This Saturday, the 6th, the 13th, this Saturday, the 13th at 6 p.m., we get an opportunity to demonstrate not to protest, not to come up against something, but to stand in front of something as the paraclete, the helper of this raw power of love that God has. And we begin to become the conduit to heal our city. So we invite you, Mayor. We invite you, public leaders. We have meetings with public administrators next week, chief of police, sergeant major. Like, we have meetings with, with the representatives from Offutt Air Force Base next week because what we want to show is that it's not an AWC issue. But we'll be the one that will chase after this city. We'll call racism wrong. We'll call sexual abuse incorrect. That, that is wrong, impunishable, blah, blah, blah. Murder is wrong. Any person in a city that has a food desert, that's wrong. If you can't walk five miles from your house and get fresh vegetables, that's wrong. This Saturday at 6 p.m., we want you to not just, not, not, not just say yes to the message, but say yes to God healing our city where no child has to figure out that they look over, their, look over their shoulder when they're at their home, when they're at their school, where every person gets this opportunity to use their gifts, skills, set, and abilities to find work. But the one way that we do that is here at the church. So this is a little bit different of an altar call, but can you go to the four? Everywhere that you are, every person that's here, even y'all in the room, let's just lift our hands. Come on. It says that when Cyrus brought Haggai up, before he spoke to him and the people, before he gave them the, uh, uh, before he gave them all of their gold and all the materials in Zechariah one, we missed this part. But Cyrus says that the only way that I can give you this materials is that you make room for it. So he ordered the people to go into their houses and strip down the things that they put there. He said the gold that you were supposed to use now was tainted because you touched it and you were unholy. The wood that you used to build your own houses, yes, your house is beautiful and it was God's stuff, but it was unholy. So now what Cyrus says is that in order for us to begin to build, before they come, before you lay another brick, you have to strip down your own thinking. So right there where you are, there are some of you right now that you have been dealing with this thought of racism. You were taught it, your grandparents taught you it, your father taught you it, and, or you don't know where it came from. But right now through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be reconciled back to God. Come on, right there where you are, come on. It's too quiet in here. 
There are some of you that believe that you're supposed to be broke. You have to strip away that mindset. Strip it away. There are some of you that might believe that women are inferior. You got to strip it away because we got some pretty bad women and powerful here at AWC. One of them is Pastor, Pastor Martin's wife. Before we build, we have to chase after the 99. We have to chase after the one. Come on, right there where you are. Open up your mouth. Chase after that one. God, we want the one. We'll leave the fold to go and capture the one. God, this Saturday, we have an opportunity to heal this city, to give them an, a demonstration of what real healing looks like. God, right now, come on, AWC, the remnant, not those that you are watching because you're trying to fill up your Sunday morning before breakfast. Come on, like those for real. God, healing on the hill is already done. It's victorious. God, every person that's supposed to be there is representing. God, we represent North Omaha, South Omaha, East West Omaha, of the panhandle of Omaha. God, the disenfranchised, those that are in socioeconomic statuses all over the place, the person that makes enough money to buy 10 houses and the person that doesn't have enough to buy 10 cheeseburgers. Lord, we pray that they will come to this place and it won't just be a time of worship, it won't just be a time of word, but it'll be a time of reconciliation. Come on, tap in right there. Reconciliation. What's happening in our city is wrong and we lift up a standard. lift up a standard against it, God. We do not chastise our leaders, but give us opportunities to work with them. We don't, we don't curse you, Mr. Ricketts. We don't throw you away. But we create an opportunity <laughs> for us to help you run the city. For us to help you run this city, sir can't help people that you don't know. We know them because they are all represented at this church. They all come here. <laughs> the last thing that they did after Cyrus allowed for them to wash their hands is Cyrus put Haggai back up at the mountain and he had Haggai bless them before they went to build. The new normal is going to be that nothing that you do will thrive unless the man of God blesses it. You can't start a business at Ambassador's Worship Center cutting hair or, or, or building houses and leaving it thrive because you should be building houses for those that are here. Before you, before you try to figure out how to make a dollar out there, what about your brother or your sister that's in your flock?